there. I'm going to chat a minute before I preach and uh, just uh, you know, a couple of things I wanted to say and uh, thinking of the message this morning, I feel like God has blessed my life, our life, uh, my wife and I. Uh, let's see, I'm on the, yeah, good. Uh, my wife and I in ministry. Uh, don't confuse, and God's, you know, we, we have our needs met. We live comfortably. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, that way is good. Uh, but don't confuse the nice things that God gives you to enjoy with his blessing on your life. Paul was blessed by the Lord when he was in prison. Blessings of God are things that uh, where God uses you or you have an opportunity and experiences that bring you joy as you serve him by serving others and bring you reward in this life and, and uh, in the life to come. Uh, don't confuse the nice things God gives you to enjoy with his blessing on your life. And then uh, my wife asked me not, but I want her to stand. Uh, She's down there about midway back in the blue coat. And uh, I feel like uh, God's blessed us. God's blessed me with a good wife. I feel I thought this afternoon, I thought, man, I got, besides all that, you know, the house and Corvette and all that, I've got a trophy wife. So you mean you got a 25-year-old beauty queen? No. I mean, when I went down to Tennessee Temple about 45, 48 years ago, God gave me the one that was the trophy. Amen. I got the prize. Out of a couple thousand girls there, I got the prize. She's been faithful, true, dedicated, committed, uh, standards. You can't serve God without the right wife. And I thought sometimes, what would I, what would you do if you go home and you open the fridge, there's a case of beer. And your wife says, well, I just decided I'm tired of this. Well, what would I do? I don't know. I'm glad I've never come close to having to figure that one out. Amen. Better marry right. But it's been a blessing to serve God. I was, and my plan was to preach one message like I did this morning and then preach a second message on standards. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I had a new message pretty well written out that I've never preached on standards. I do think they matter. Uh, philosophy going around, well, what difference does it make? Long as we're all saved, who cares, you know, whether you drink alcohol or not, whether you dress modestly or not, whether you gamble or not, whether your wife wears pants or not. I mean, just, you know, who cares? What difference does it make? You know, we're all Christians and, if, you know, and so on. But it does make a difference to whether or not you want to follow God's Word. And uh, sure, I mean, you can be saved and do all that stuff. But if you want to follow God's Word, then you don't do that stuff. I'm working on, I think, maybe I'm finally going to get it finished, a book that we'll have out maybe in three months or something, 80, 90 pages, where I go through principles and then uh, item by item, things like that and others about why you shouldn't do it and try and sell it for you know, not too much, and uh, be a blessing to you. Maybe contact the college if you'd be interested in something like that and try and give you Bible answers as I've been teaching it in class uh, for several years now. Uh, then last thing I wanted to say uh, is, again, thank you for coming, uh, those of you that are here. Uh, I think I've uh, last I looked uh, from a count this morning, we keep having more register every service, but uh, at one point this morning, uh, 
I've preached in 60% of the churches here with over 70% of the people, and uh, and others have too, and, and uh, it's a blessing to have that you have had me because of our pastor and the ministry here, and uh, that you've had me and the tour group, my wife and I, and it's a blessing to see you here. I appreciate folks that have come. Uh, it's a joy to serve the Lord. Why don't you stand? Uh, you've been seated a little while anyhow. I didn't have you stand for a scripture reading this morning. Uh, I usually read my Bible sitting down in the morning. Uh, I don't think you have to stand up to read the Bible, but uh, why don't you do that tonight? And uh, I think you were all awake after that special. Anyhow, maybe I can put you to sleep and then Brother Fugit can wake you up again. Turn your Bible to John chapter 3. I'm going to read just uh, one verse to start. I'll have quite a bit of scripture throughout the message. I'm going to preach on soul winning tonight. Amen. And uh, I feel this is a message, or just my no two. My, I never preached the exact same message twice, but uh, I have preached this message before, probably three or four times. Several of you have heard it. Uh, those of you at the college have. But I feel sure that this is what God wants me to preach tonight, and so that's what I'm going to do. John chapter three and verse sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you that salvation is simple, that it, it's, it's not complicated. You've enabled me to be saved simply, and you've, enabled, you've given us the gospel to carry to others, a simple gospel that explains things where somebody can easily be saved. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd speak to hearts tonight. If there is one or two of you here tonight that aren't saved, help them get that settled tonight. Then I pray for all of us, God, that you'd give us a burden and a passion to carry the gospel to the lost. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Again, I think it's important for people to get saved. I mean, it's a matter of heaven or hell, life or death. And, uh, you know, it's important that people get saved. Uh, That's the Great Commission. I mean, it's called the Great Commission because it is a great commission. Sorry, that'll make it maybe make it easier for you to listen to me. And uh, let me start off by asking you, how does somebody get saved anyhow? How complicated is it to get saved? Uh, Some people today seem to be saying, well, you know, uh, salvation, that's a long, complicated process. You've got to take a long time going through that with somebody, and it's days and weeks and so on. You go to some different uh, uh, religions, and they'll tell you there's several steps to getting saved. You know, first, well, you have to believe in Christ, and then you have to get baptized, and you have to give up this, and you have to give up that, and you have to do this, and you better do that. And uh, eventually, if you finish those seven steps, you can be saved and go to heaven. Uh, Others might say, oh, there's no three or four steps. You know, you get saved, but then you have to get baptized until you've been baptized in our church by one of our pastors. And, uh, you know, you haven't really been saved. Uh, But the Bible says there's just one step to salvation. That's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Anybody's going to give you more than one step in order to tell you how to get saved, is teaching heresy. There's one step. That's all there is to it. I like what Brother Fugit says frequently. If you complicate the gospel so that a child can't understand it, you've perverted the gospel. Because Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Hey, the gospel is simple. It's not complicated. I mean, you, you look, Jesus said, you know, 
you know, if you believe in Christ, you can go up and say, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How does somebody get saved? Some folks would say John the Baptist preached one gospel and others, Jesus and Paul, preached a different gospel. How about if we ask John the Baptist? Uh, how does somebody get saved anyhow? Turn over and if you want to turn different passages or don't and listen as I read them. John chapter 3 and verse 36. John the Baptist is speaking here. His words are recorded under inspiration, preserved for us. We've got an exact copy of, what, of his words as, as he spoke them. And verse 36, he said, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Uh, John, how does somebody get saved? Well, if you believe on the Son, you have everlasting life. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? And uh, somebody said, well, I don't know, I get confused sometimes on how to get saved. And people say different things. And I wonder if I've done this. I wonder but, you know, if I could ask the Apostle Paul how to get saved, if I could sit down with Paul and have Paul tell me how to get saved from the Apostle Paul himself, Himself, one of the greatest, you know, probably the greatest uh, Christian of our generation did, uh, I mean, of any, you know what I mean, New Testament times, uh, the Apostle Paul. If I could ask him how to get saved, wonder what he would say. Well, you know what? Somebody did ask the Apostle Paul how to get saved. And it's recorded for us in the Word of God. The only time the question is asked, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16, 30, 31. And the Apostle Paul answered, uh, and he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's pretty simple. I can be saved if I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you'd think that if there were three steps, two steps, seven steps, that when the Philippian jailer asked him there in the middle of the night, what must I do to be saved, that Paul would have answered, well, uh, Mr. Jailer, there's three steps. First, you have to do this. Secondly, you have to do that. Thirdly, you have to, you know, you got to make sure you get baptized. Then you got to make sure you start tithing. And you've got to quit this. And you better start that. And if you're, you know, I mean, Paul just forget to mention all that? I mean, Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Romans 10:13 says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say, we don't get saved by belief and we don't get saved by faith and we get saved by grace through faith plus nothing. That's it. You know, I mean, salvation is not complicated. So I'm struggling with it myself and I'm not sure and I get mixed up. Look, it's simple. It's a matter of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's not belief and anything. I mean, according to the Word of God... So, well, you know, did Paul get it wrong when he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved? John the Baptist get it wrong when he said, he that hath the Son hath everlasting life. I mean, you know, I mean, that's it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Over in Romans chapter 3, and uh, Romans such a great book on salvation. And, uh, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness which of God, which, how do I get the righteousness of God? Which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all. It's available to everybody. And upon all them, I got the righteousness of God upon me to them that believe. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
being justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation or satisfaction through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? Hey, I got saved. Can you, you're saved. Can you boast? No. Paul says, where is boasting then? Verse 27. It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Look, if you got saved by faith and works, when you got, you could say, I'm better than them. <laughs> They're lost. I got saved by my works. I can go, we go around heaven and say, hey, we're better than those folks who went to, we get to heaven, we won't be bragging on us, we'll be saying, I deserve to be in hell. But Jesus died for my sins and I trusted him by faith. He gets all the glory. Boasting is excluded, not by the law of works, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude, verse 28, that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Hey, it's not faith and. It's by faith without the deeds of the law. So there's no boasting. It's not belief and stop sinning, belief and do this, belief and give money, belief and light a candle. It's just belief. I remember when I went down to Tennessee Temple, graduated secular college, wasn't right with God when I got out of high school, went to secular college. God got a hold of my heart there, wanted to serve Him with my life, but didn't care where or how. I just wanted God to use me. But I knew whatever I did, I needed to get trained, so I went down to Tennessee Temple when Dr. Lee Robertson was running it. I mean, it was the place to be. And uh, got in there, got in the bus ministry. Amen. Dr. Robertson would meet with us on Saturday mornings. And I remember one Saturday especially him saying, young men, I was young then. Young men, biggest obstacle you're going to have when you go out and witness to people and try and get them to trust Christ and get saved, the biggest obstacle they have to getting saved is that they all think it's by works. You've got to get them to realize that it's not by works that they get saved, but by trusting in Christ. You ask somebody, typical man, are you saved? They'll say, well, I think so. I'm a pretty good guy. Had somebody tell me last week, well, yo, sure, I've been baptized. Had one person tell me, I've been baptized Catholic, Lutheran. This was last Saturday. Catholic, Lutheran, I think two more. I can't remember what else. One saved through any of them, I don't think. But, you know, the biggest obstacle you have in getting people saved is getting them to realize that it's by grace through faith without works. It's not works. It's a matter of trusting Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 4, he goes on from chapter 3, and uh, it comes, 4 comes after 3 almost always. I was a math major. What shall we say then? Verse 1. That Abraham our father as pertaineth to the flesh hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. But not before God. Hey, I mean, if Abraham got saved by all the good things he did, he could glory. He could say, pretty good. Like a uh, fellow won the hoverboard contest. Here, I'm, I'm better than him. 
I stayed. I got done more quickly. I, I did better. I can, right? I scored more points. My team won. If it were by works, you could glory. Uh, verse 3, for what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Look, if you work, it's not grace. If I go over to Brother Young, I say, Brother Young, if you wash my car, I'll give you $10. Is that a gift? It's wages. It's not reckoned of grace, but of debt. I mean, you can't mix the two. If you wash my car, I'll give you $100. That'd be good wages, but it's still wages. You know, if you wash one fender, I'll give you $1,000. He'd be eager to do that work. But it's still wages. Be the first time he'd ever been eager to work. Look, it's got to be of grace or of debt. It's one of the two. Either God owes it to you because you've worked well enough to earn it, which nobody has, by the way, or He's going to have to give it to us by grace. Well, I don't know. I trusted Christ, but some, you know, I, I haven't given up this. Or He got saved, and, and uh, or He says He got saved, and He says He put His faith in Christ. He's trusting Him to get Him to heaven. But, you know, sometimes He still cusses. Sometimes He still drinks. Sometimes He still sm- I mean, you know, You don't think somebody could be saved and still sin, do you? I hope so, or I'm not saved. Matter of fact, neither are you. A man says he has no sin, he deceives himself, the Bible says, First John. And he's the only one he's fooling. Everybody else knows he has sin. But I mean, I get saved by grace through faith. You ought to settle it. I mean, you know, if you could ask the Apostle Paul how he get saved, and he sat down with you, some of you sitting here doubting day after day, and I really get saved, am I not? Or, you know, if I could ask the Apostle Paul, you've got what the Apostle Paul would tell you. How about if we ask Jesus, how does somebody get saved? Seems like he ought to know. Over in John chapter 3, we read verse 16 a minute ago. And he goes on, verse uh, 16, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. They were already condemned. But that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth, this is still Jesus talking here, verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's simple. All you have to do is believe on him, trust him. It's so simple a child can get it. You know, you take your gospel track, you go soul winning. I go out, I mean, most of us do, many of us, I don't know, I go soul winning regularly. You take out your gospel tract and, you know, people make fun and say, oh, you can't do it that way. It's not just one, two, three, repeat after me. Look, I mean, I know saying a prayer yes, sir. With, just to repeat words, nobody gets saved doing that. Yes, There's got to be an understanding. But on the other hand, it doesn't take, you know, what do they have to figure out? They've got to figure out they're a sinner. Amen. They owe a sin debt. Right. Everyone's sin debt has been paid. 
Everyone can be saved. Romans 10, 9, thou shalt if, thou, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not complicated. And I don't, you know, I go out and I tell our college students, we work with the bus kids and everything else, my goal isn't to get a lot of names on decision slips, but I do want everybody that rides in on one of those buses to have a personal presentation of the gospel with an opportunity to receive Christ as Savior. I want to understand. They've got to understand it. You talk to the children, you say, why did Jesus die? If they don't know why Jesus died, they can't get saved. I don't care what they pray. But on the other hand, if they do understand it, how complicated is it? And, uh, it, I mean, it's simple enough a child can get it. Repeating doesn't save. Reciting something doesn't save. Faith saves. Amen. But I'll tell you this. A prayer is a good way to express that faith. It's a good way to verbalize what you what is in your heart when you put your trust in Jesus as your Savior. And as far as that goes, when Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That kind of sounds like a prayer, maybe. I mean, I think. And uh, people go around, oh, well, you know, you can't do that. Brother Fugit talked in the uh, meeting we had with the dinner with the presidents about the each one reach one Sunday, Saturday that we have here. Do it with the college and church ministries. A lot of the college students, many of the church members join in. The goal is for every one of us that goes out that day, for every student, fa- student, faculty, and staff member to see at least one person saved on the same Saturday. Now, we've never hit that. We've never reached the goal, but we get a lot closer than we would if we didn't try. And we'll leave here at, you know, 10, we'll leave here at the college at 10 o'clock in the morning, 10.15, meet back at 5 o'clock, have pizza and pop. And a great time of testimony. Amen. Go soul winning five, six hours there in between. Trying to see how many people we can get saved. We'll have, I think, up towards, up to maybe 600, close to that. You know, almost always 400 saved on a Saturday. Somebody said, well, how could you have 400 saved on a Saturday in one day? To be honest with you, it surprises me we don't have more than that. You know, you got 200 people out soul winning. I mean, if you win one an hour. (laughs) Now, one of the things you run into in Lexington is (laughs) at least some people, oh, I'm already saved. (laughs) You know, it's getting a little harder to go out and find people that aren't already saved. (laughs) Praise God. That's good. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're a soul winner and you like going out and seeing people get saved, you know, you go and you give them the gospel and you start and you go through it and the guy's following and everything else. And you get down to the end, he said, oh, I'm already saved. I just wanted to hear what you, you know, it's kind of a disappointment, isn't it? Right. Amen. Oh. <laughs> but, or I was already saved. You know, two of our college, two of your college girls came by here three weeks ago and told me the same thing. I prayed. That's a blessing to me. You go out and it, it just, why wouldn't you do it that way? That's right. You know, people have the idea sometimes, I'll, I'll say sometimes when I'm out witnessing, I'm trying to make it clear, and uh, I'll say, look, most people have the idea when we get to heaven, 
that God's going to have a scale there somehow, or maybe we'll meet St. Peter at the gate. I don't think we really will. But if St. Peter were to ask you, should I, why should I let you in? Most people will figure that God's going to put all my good works on one side, all my bad works on the other side. Maybe because he loves me, he'll lean a little bit on the good side. Hopefully enough, if the needle goes the right way, I'm in. But you know what? Nobody gets in that way. What I'd have to say if God said, Jim, why do I let you in? I think he already, I don't think he's going to do that. But I'd have to say, I know I don't deserve it. I deserve to go to hell because I'm a sinner. But Christ died to pay for my sin. And October 7th, 1969, I trusted Him as my Savior. I called on Him to forgive me and save me. I put my trust in Him. And that settled it. It's done. So have you done enough good? Look, good works don't have anything to do with whether or not you're going to get into heaven. It's not, did I write? When I did that, I almost brought the Bible with me that I had that day and I'd written down the back and wrote down every phrase I could think of. You know, I trust Him. I ask Him to forgive me. I believe in Him. I put down about every phrase. I ask Him to I open the door I, because I want to make sure I said the right word. But, you know, it's not the words. It's the faith. You don't have to worry, did I say the right thing or not? It's a matter of depending on Him. If you're depending on your works and your righteousness to get you to heaven, you're not going. But if you're depending on His death to pay for your sins, you are. It's simple, and that, that doesn't, I mean, salvation is a quick thing. It doesn't take all day and all night. There's no reason that you can't lead somebody to the Lord quickly. You look about Jesus. Jesus was a, our example in everything. When he talked to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, 21 verses there, and 3, 1 through 21. You can read those real slowly, like Brother Moore sang some of those songs. And pause in between. But it ain't going to take you half an hour to read them. And you can suppose that there were probably some things said that didn't get recorded in Scripture, and, and, you know, maybe so. But he got saved that night. And certainly the impression you get is it happened pretty quickly. You think of John 4 then, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And again, you can suppose that there were some things said that maybe didn't get recorded in Scripture. But it doesn't take you 30 minutes to read the passage. Takes you five, probably. So you add in a little bit here and there. I mean, soul winning is not an all-day thing to lead somebody to the Lord. So, well, the idea that somebody could just go up and talk to somebody that, you know, stop some teenage boy on a basketball court, playing basketball, witness to him, have him get saved there in a few minutes one night. That could never happen. Don't tell Bruce Goddard that, because that's how he got saved. I've heard him say again several times, don't tell that to me. I was a teenage boy heading to a secular school on a basketball scholarship, playing basketball the night before I left. Somebody stopped me on the court, witnessed to me, gave me the gospel. I trusted him. I, I guess he really got it, huh? Amen. Pastor in a great church out there, probably 10, 12 students, I think, I don't know, a bunch in our Bible college. 
great church out there. I think of Brother Lewis, the black youth director, helped me identify which one was up here on the platform. I heard, and I asked him, I said, do you mind if I tell this story tonight? He said, no, it would be great. Heard him tell it there when we were at the church at, in Chicago. He said, I was a young man, just, I don't know, probably 20 years old, 17 years old, standing beside a basketball court in a public park in South Chicago. So I had marijuana in my socks. I was dealing marijuana out of my socks while I was standing there. This big old bus from Howes Anderson College, first, second year of the school, came up. A bunch of girls got off. One little girl came over, witness to me. I trusted Christ as my Savior. I never got away from that. He said, no, I didn't live it to start with. Got messed up. But I knew that I'd gotten saved. And when I hit the bottom after I made some poor choices, I came back to that decision that I'd gotten saved standing there on the, beside the basketball court. As a 17-year-old young man. Hey, don't tell him you can't get saved in a few minutes. Somebody out on a soul-winning ep- episode like that. Right. I was walking across the front of the church auditorium last week at, at Clay's Mill with a facility we rent. Stopped a young man, uh, kind of motioned to me. I recognized him as somebody when, I think it was, no, it wasn't each one reach. It was another day. Weekend, my father-in-law went to heaven. I thought I was home for a few hours in there in between in Chattanooga and so on. And I thought I want to get out and get some visitation in. Went out on a bus route in Versailles. Saw some kids playing out in front of an apartment there. Walked over to the door, knocked on Dad came out. Ten, fifteen minutes, he prayed, trusted Christ as Savior. Sitting in church Sunday night with his wife. Two kids. Got saved like that. Now, most of the ones I went into win like that don't show up on Sunday, church Sunday night a couple months later, but he is. And, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't take you a week. Paul answered the Philippian jailer in one sentence, and his whole house got saved and baptized in one night. Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved and baptized on one day. 120 soul winners in the upper room. That comes out to 25 saved and baptized per soul winner. If they were out there 12 hours, it's two every hour. Less than 30 minutes a convert. Say, well, that was different. Look, we heard Brother Cooper preach this morning. God's the same God today as He was at Pentecost. He's no different. They can have 3,000 saved and baptized. It's a shame that we don't have more than 400 saved on a big day here. You, you look at, now, First Peter, Second Peter 1 teaches us that a lack of growth will lead to doubts. Second Peter 1, 1 says, uh, you know, he's talking to saved people. It's clear in there, verses 4 to 8 talks about add to your faith, virtue, virtue, you know, and so on. You're supposed to be growing in Christ. And then verse 9 it says, you know, he that lacketh these things will forget that he's been purged from his sins. He'll have doubts about his salvation if he's not growing. The Bible tells us he will. And if you're not growing in Christ, you probably have doubts about your salvation. But if you trust in Christ, you're saved. Let me give you 
Time's close to gone. Let me give you three applications out of this. Number one, are you saved? It'd be a shame for you to come to a national youth conference like this, National Young Fundamentalist Conference, and go home lost. And I don't want to put any doubts in anybody's mind. If anything, I've said it's simple. It's not a court. Well, but I still, you know, we, we list different sins. And, you know, the thing is, we always list the sins that we don't commit as the ones you couldn't commit and be saved. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say, you know, I don't know, I have doubts that he's saved. He's still pretty proud. <laughs> but the Bible lists that as something God hates. That's right. I've never heard anybody say, well, uh, what you, anyhow. Are you, but you ought to have your salvation settled. It's simple. Do you have a time you look back to and say, yep, I trusted Christ as my Savior? I may not remember exactly what happened. You may not remember the exact day or date or whatever. But have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Is that settled? Number two, every one of us ought to be soul winners. You don't need to write it down. Don't write anything else down. I want your hearts, not your heads, right? Your notebooks right now. But are you saved? We ought to all be soul winners. You ought to carry gospel tracts with you all the time. You ought to be able to pull them out of your pocket and hand them out and pass them out. You know, because if somebody reads that, and try, I mean, they're going to get saved. It's simple. You'd be surprised how many people wonder. You know, I'll pass them out and I'll maybe give one to a waiter, waitress, and they're working. I'll say, now inside there's Bible verses to let you know how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Oh, really? They're interested. Everybody wishes they could know how to go to heaven. Some of them aren't ready to trust it and do it right now, but you ought to be a soul winner. You ought to support the soul winning program in your church. You ought to be, are you saved? Are you a soul winner? And then let me just remind you, heaven and hell are real. We are going to stand before him someday. And I don't think he's going to ask us, why, do we, why should I let you in? I think he's got that. It's all figured out. Come on. Someday I'll be standing before him. I'll wish I had given him more. Amen. Someday people that you run across here and that you and I run across here and there and friends and relatives and others won't be. We ought to spend our life trying to serve God. Giving ourselves to win souls and accomplish something for Him. Serve Him by serving others.